Hi, church family. Today, uh, we get to continue on in our First Peter series. I'm just really excited for us to continue to dive into this beautiful letter written by the Apostle Peter to the churches and to us. And as we get into it this morning, uh, we're going to be in verses 3 through 5. I'm just going to read it for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the word of the Lord. As we dive into this passage, Peter's continuing to speak to these new believers, these new churches about what it means for us and for them specifically, but even for us today, to be a people who live as strangers and exiles, as we talked about last week, to live on the margins, to live in light of suffering and hardship and persecution. And what he tells them is that they have hope. And we, we understand uh, inside ourselves a little bit of what it means to hope for something. When I was in college, I began just through some friends spending some time with this girl named Katie Robertson. And we were hanging out with a friend of ours and uh, who'd actually gone through a breakup that was really bad. And we were trying to be an encouragement to her. And I knew Katie. We were friends kind of just loosely. But we began spending time together uh, with other friends. Over the course of several months, I began to see like, this girl's smart. She's beautiful. She loves Jesus. Uh, she has a heart for people. Uh, there was just one problem, though. Uh, Katie was known for turning guys down who asked her to go on dates. And so I was really nervous to ask her, but everything was lining, lining up. If this is the kind of person I want to pursue. And, um, and so I finally got up the nerve to, I'm going to ask the question. Will you go out on a date? And so I actually called her on the phone and uh, she was getting ready to go on a trip and be out of town for a week or two. And so we're, we're just kind of catching up on some different things. And then I decided to ask the question, like, hey, when you get back in town, could we uh, go hang out together? And there was just pause on the other end of the phone. And then it's like, uh, yeah, we, we can totally do that. We can get, a bunch of us can get together and get some friends. We can all go hang out together like we normally do. And I was like, no, can just you and I go hang out together, like go get dinner or something like that. And she gave uh, the answer that I will never forget, I guess. <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. Hang up. She's leaving for a couple weeks. And I was thinking about that. I was like, it's not necessarily the best answer I could get, but there's hope. Like she said, I guess so. So we'll see what happens. I had hope in it. And as Peter is talking to the churches, he, he's telling them in this passage, in this text that we just read, that there is a hope for us who are in Christ. That hope isn't based on our present feelings. That hope is not based in our present circumstances, but there is a hope for Jesus followers that's grounded in God himself. And that leads us to our big truth this morning, which is this, Jesus followers have a living hope. And we see that directly from the text again in verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has been, caused us to be born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Later in this passage, uh, he'll go on and talk about how Jesus, who was 
foreknown, if you look in verses 20 through 21, that Jesus, who was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest the last time for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. And listen to this. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope may be in God. So one of the main reasons for this letter that Peter is writing to the churches, these, these young churches, these churches who are facing hardship, suffering, difficulty, is that they would have hope. And this theme runs throughout 1 Peter. Uh, we see this also in 1 Peter 3.15, that hope is not just something that we have in God, but hope is meant to be a marker of our faith in God. Listen to what Peter says later on that we'll look at more in depth in the coming weeks and months. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for what? For the hope that is in you. So hope should be evident in the life of a believer, and that hope is not based on what's happening around us. It's based on God Himself. So in these first few verses, we see a couple things. We see, uh, first, uh, the nature of the hope that we have in Jesus. And then we see some reasons for the hope that we have in God. So first, the nature of our hope. Just a few things really quickly. First, we see that this hope is a result of God's goodness. Verse 3 begins this way. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter starts his letter with praise. Praise be to God. Like hope begins with God. It's His work, and it, results, and it should result in our praise, in our worship of who He is. It's a result of His goodness in our lives. So we don't find hope in our circumstances. We don't even just find hope in our beliefs. We find hope in the God who makes salvation possible, the God who pursues us, the God who loves us, the Father of all mercies. Hope is found in Him. So our hope is anchored in God Himself. Second, we see that this hope is not found in us. Like he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us. That's really important. In our culture, more and more and more, we are being told, we are being taught, we're watching on movies, we're seeing on Netflix TV shows that hope is found within. Look inside yourself, get to your true self, find hope within. But what we see from this passage is Peter saying, no, hope is not found within you. Hope is found outside of you. It's actually found in God himself. So we can't find it within us. The hope that gives us this confidence in Christ is found in God. It's found outside ourselves. Third, we see that this hope is alive. He says it's a, not just hope, but a living hope. It's active. It's growing. It's increasing. It's not uh, static. It's dynamic. So hope is not just a feeling we have. It's something that grows as we mature as Jesus followers. So a great example of this is for some of you, you've been around some older believers in their faith and their hope seems to be much deeper in Christ than yours. Well, that's because as we grow in faith and as we grow in maturity, hope grows. This living hope, it, it grows with us as we pursue Jesus Christ. But fourth, this hope is also not just active, it's enduring. So he talks about how it's imperishable, it's undefiled, that it's kept in heaven for us. So this is the important part. This kind of hope that Peter's talking about can't be taken away. You can't lose it. It doesn't fade. 
It doesn't break down. It doesn't ebb and flow with life. It endures. It stays. So that leads to a really important question for us this morning. As Jesus followers, why can we have hope? Why can we have hope? So it's one thing to say that there is hope. It's one thing to talk about the nature and how that hope works. But why do we have hope? Why should we have hope? What has God done that would produce hope in us? And then a second really important question that I think all of us need to wrestle with is for us, why do we not have hope? So for many of us, if I think we're being really honest, we would probably say, I'm not a very hopeful person right now. I don't feel hopeful. I'm not experiencing hope. Why? Peter's going to help give us a frame to be able to answer that question. So let's deal with the first question. Why do Jesus followers have a hope? And let's just walk through this passage, looking at some of these big ideas for the reasons that we have hope. The first one is this, first big idea. Our hope is in new birth. So looking at verse 3, he says, According to his great mercy, talking about God the Father, he has caused us to be born again. And those words, born again, mean new birth, that we have gone from death in our sin to life in Christ, that we become a new creature. And there's a couple things that are really important for us to see in this. First, he says, he has caused us to be born again. So this is God's initiation. This is God's act. So the big theological word that you might have heard before is the word regeneration. It's God the Holy Spirit awakening our hearts, awakening faith in us so that we can repent and trust in Jesus Christ and be saved. That's God's work. This happens, again, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the process of regeneration. So we are not active in our spiritual birth. We are passive. When faith awakens in us, we respond to that, but we don't cause ourselves to be born again. Just like, a good example is, when you were born, you didn't make yourself born. When I was born, I didn't choose to be born. That was uh, other people involved in that, and that was God's decision, not mine. I was not active in that. I was passive. I was responding to that. But when I was born, I breathed in air, and my heart began to beat, and I had a response to that, even as an infant, to pursue life. In the same way, God is the cause of new birth. So that leads to a next question, well, what is new birth? Well, new birth means going from death and sin to life in Christ. God has done that work in you if you're a Jesus follower. God isn't just making a better version of you. He's not trying to help you get back to your original self. He's not trying to make a better version of uh, who you should become. God takes people who are dead in their sin and raises them to life. He takes people who are dead and makes them new. Just like birth, we are born again, a new creation, a new creature. And Jesus talks about this in John chapter 3. In John 3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter into a second time his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So when 
Peter talks about that God has caused us to be born again. He's saying God has made us a brand new person. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So this is really good news, Jesus follower. If you are in Christ, we have hope because we have been made new. We have been born again. So here's just a practical question of application. Have you been born again? Have you gone from death to life in Christ? Not have you made a decision? Not have you prayed a prayer? Not have you walked down an aisle? Not have you been baptized? Not do you have a belief system about Jesus in the Bible? But have you been made new? Have you been made new? Are you a new person? Are you not the person that you were five years ago, ten years ago, three years ago, six months ago, whenever Jesus invaded your life? Conversion and new birth is not becoming a better version of ourselves. It's becoming a brand new creation. Has that happened to you? And Peter says, if that has happened to you, you have a reason to hope. But not only is our hope in new birth, but secondly, our hope is in the Father's mercy. It's our second big idea. Our hope is in the Father's mercy. Looking again at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to this. According to His great mercy, He caused us to be born again to a living hope. You can circle or underline in your Bible, highlight great mercy. Not just mercy, but great mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. So let me just give you just kind of a a funny example, and and this isn't a real example. Let's say I come home tonight for dinner. I'm starving. I'm so hungry. I'm looking forward to what we're going to eat. And I sit down at the table, and Katie brings out the, the dinner to our family, and the main course is lima beans. Now, I'm just going to be honest, like lima beans are like uh, the worst food imaginable to me. I hate lima beans. They're, they're disgusting. You know, the gag reflex goes off, that, that whole kind of thing. And so let's just say I take the lima beans and I knock them on the floor and I punch the wall and I kick the dog and say some very unkind things to Katie and the kids about being so upset about this. Well, in that moment, do I deserve Katie's love, kindness? affection, or do I deserve resentment, anger, bitterness, rejection? I, the latter, not the former, right? Now, because Katie's experienced love of Christ, hopefully she will respond in forgiveness and grace and kindness. But what I deserve in that moment is for there to be a separation in our relationship. I don't deserve her kindness. I don't deserve her, her love and her grace. And on a greater cosmic level, our sin it's not just against one another. It is when we sin against people, but our sin is ultimately against an infinitely holy, perfect, wise, and good God. And we deserve wrath, anger, judgment, punishment, condemnation. But what Peter tells us is that according to his great mercy, not something we've earned, not something we've deserved, not because we're pretty good, not because we do some good things, but no, in God's kindness, He knows the darkest things of your heart and your mind and your action and your past and your future and mine. And if you're in Christ, He has looked on that and in His mercy, He has sent His Son to pay for that debt instead of you having to pay for it or me. 
we have hope because of God's mercy. Think about it this way. If you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, and God showed you mercy when you were a rebel, what's he going to do when you're a son or a daughter? His mercy shown to us in our sin and in our worst is a confirmation of the mercy that we get to receive and have access to day by day by day by month by year by year as a Christian. And so we have a reason to hope. And, and when we understand mercy and we experience mercy, it has several effects on us. One is it produces gratitude, thanksgiving, worship. That's why Peter starts with blessed be God and Father. He starts with praise. He starts with doxology and worship. We do too. When we understand the mercy that we've been shown in light of our sin, in light of our brokenness, in light of our failure, in light of the way we've wounded others, the way we've rejected God, and yet He has chosen to love us, it should produce worship in us. But mercy also for us, it, it makes us aware of not only His goodness toward us, it makes us aware of our need to extend that to others. And so a great question for us is, have we experienced mercy? Are you aware of the mercy in your life? And then two, practically, are you showing that kind of mercy to others? And this isn't the, the main thrust of this passage, but just because of being one of your pastors, just want to encourage you. I, there's so often in times of counseling and investment and discipleship with people that I hear, well, if you only knew what I've been through or what he's done to me or what she's done to me or how he's treated me or all these kinds of things, because of the mercy of God, we get to be merciful to others. We get to respond out of that mercy because of the mercy we've been shown. We get to have hope in broken circumstances, not because our circumstances are going good, they might be going south, but because God has shown us mercy in light of our choices in our circumstances. That is a reason for hope. So we have hope in the new birth. We have hope because of the mercy of the Father. Let's keep moving on. Third big idea, our hope is in Jesus' resurrection. Our hope is in Jesus' resurrection. Verse 3, according to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through, this is the means, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is in Jesus' resurrection. Jesus did not just die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. The good news of the gospel is that He rose again from the dead. Praise God. And what Peter is saying is two things. One, our hope, our living hope, is possible because of the resurrection. So without the resurrection, without Jesus rising from the dead, we can't have a living hope. Salvation is not possible for us. We are separated from God for eternity except through Jesus. So that is the means. So if you're here, friend, watching this on video, and you've not put your trust in Jesus, there is no hope for you right now. You have no reason for hope because the resurrection of Christ has not been applied to you. Hope is made possible not from our circumstances, but because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is through Him and through Him alone that we can have hope. But for those of us who have experienced resurrection from the dead, Jesus making us new, Jesus taking us from death to life, 
in Him is the confidence we have of the hope that is coming for us. That we're going to see Him again. That we will be resurrected. That if we die on this earth or if Jesus comes back again, we will be with Him. Jesus' resurrection is the promise and the seal that we have life that is present now, but also life that is coming for us. And so we hope. A great example of this is baptism. The reason why baptism is a command in Scripture is because baptism is an outward symbol, an outward picture of what Christ has done for us. That when someone, like my daughter last week, for those of you there, goes down in the water and comes out of the water, it's a picture that the old us has been buried, has died, been put to death, and a new person has been raised to life. Why? Through our ability, through our goodness? No because of Jesus Christ, just like He went into the grave and rose again, that we have been risen again, and therefore we have hope. I love it. 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul talks about the hope of the resurrection. Let me read this for us. And if Christ has not been raised, this is important, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished, those who've died. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. So here's what Paul's saying. If there is no resurrection, we have no hope. And in fact, not only we have no hope, our worship, our religion is futile. It means nothing, and we should be pitied because we're fools. And that's what the world thinks about us. And the world should think that way if they don't believe in the resurrection. So there is no coming to Christianity or coming to faith to become a better person or have a better life. It's meaningless apart from the resurrection. But this is what Paul says, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep, for as by a man came death, talking about Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And by all, he's not talking about everyone, but all who place their faith in Jesus. So we have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for us this morning, or as you're watching this, do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe in the resurrection? And I, again, I just want to, as an aside, say, I, I think for us as Jesus followers, if we believe in the resurrection of the dead, then there's no reason why we should doubt anything else in this book. But here's a second question. I think probably a lot of people who would watch this say, yes, I believe in the resurrection from the dead. Here's, here's the follow-up question. Are you living like Jesus rose again from the dead? Does your life reflect the resurrection in the way that we live, in the way that we talk, in our priorities, in the way that we share the good news, in the way that we spend our time, our talent, our money? Are we a people who say we believe in the resurrection? Or are we a people who show we believe in the resurrection? Those who see and understand and who are experiencing resurrected life have hope, and that hope is brought out in the way that we live. So we have hope because of new birth. We have hope because of the mercy of the Father. We have hope because the resurrection of Jesus the Son. Fourth big idea, our hope is in future inheritance. 
We have hope in a future inheritance. Look at verse 4. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. So what he's saying here is that there's an inheritance that's coming for us. And we understand the idea of inheritance. Inheritance is something you get after someone passes away. And in the Old Testament, the inheritance that the people of God were looking forward to is a land, a place, Canaan. But here's the problem. The people of God, Israel, got that inheritance, got that land. But what ended up happening to it? Because of their sin, it was taken away. It was lost. But what Peter's saying to us and to these churches is there's an inheritance for those who are in Christ that cannot be taken away. And look at the way that he describes it. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It can't be broken. It can't be corrupted. It doesn't wear out. And that's the inheritance that we are looking forward to. What is that inheritance? It is being with Christ one day. It's seeing Him face to face. It's our presence with Him. That hope cannot be taken away from us. And that's good news. Here on this earth, things are corrupted. Things are defiled. Things break down. I can go get an amazing steak for dinner and have a carrot cake and all kinds of awesome stuff. And it can be so good. But if I put it in the refrigerator and I forget about it after a couple weeks, guess what happens to it? You open up the fridge and it stinks. That really good thing has been defiled. It has been corrupted. You can build a brand new house or get a brand new cart. It can look beautiful, but over time, guess what? It fades. It breaks down. The hope, the inheritance that we have that's coming for us won't be taken away. And it is future-oriented. It's in heaven for us. And the way Paul describes it is a salvation that's coming. So a lot of times when we think about salvation, we think about salvation past. This moment when I put my faith in Jesus, repented of my sins. And that is true. There is salvation past. But as we read through Scripture and as we go through 1 Peter, we're going to see that salvation is not just past. Salvation is present. We have been saved. We are being saved through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. But we will be saved one day when we get to be with God fully face to face. We have hope because there is an assuring promise that we will be with God and that cannot be taken for us. So whatever gets taken from us in this world, whatever breaks down in this world, we don't want to invest there. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about to seek first the kingdom of God, to build up treasure where? In heaven, where moth and rust can't destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. Our inheritance is in something that's out in front of us. And so we have hope. We can lose all things in this world. But if we have Jesus, we have hope of what's coming, which leads to a final big idea. Our hope is in God's preserving power. We also have hope because of God's preserving power. Look at verse 5. It says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time? What does that mean? It means for those who are in Christ, God is doing the work of guarding, protecting our salvation, guarding and protecting our heart, guarding, protecting our identity in Him, and that can't be taken away from us. 
And the result of that guarding, the result of that action is faith. If you want to know whether or not you are a genuine Christian, if you want to know whether or not you are a new creation, the way that you know is, is faith being produced in you and are you responding in obedience to it? Faith is the marker. It's the assurance of God's work in us through Jesus Christ. The good news is, is that God is the one doing the work to produce faith in us. So if our faith is growing, it's because we're responding in obedience to God and therefore we have hope. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. This is what he says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So he's working it together for good. But listen to this part. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. What is he saying? That it's God doing the work of conforming us to the image of his Son. If he saved you, if he predestined you, according to Romans 8, he is doing the work to make you like Jesus. Our response is to respond in faith. And so we have a lot of reasons to hope. The mercy of God, new birth, resurrection of Christ, an inheritance that's coming, God's power at work within us. So that leads to a last question that I want to ask kind of in conclusion, which is this. Why do many of us not feel hopeful? Why for many of us are we not experiencing hope today? I think in light of this passage, there's a few different reasons, and I want you to think about these before the Lord. The first one is this. For some of you, the reason why you're not experiencing hope is because you've never experienced new birth. You might know about God, you might have had a religious experience, but you have never been born again. You will not have hope until Jesus changes your heart from death to life. Turn from your sin. Trust Him. It would be our joy to help you follow Jesus. For others of you, you have been born again, but you're still struggling in hopelessness or to experience hope. Another reason why you may not be experiencing hope is you've begun anchoring your life in things other than God. You've been trying to find your hope in your job, in your family, in your success, the American dream, in education, in love. And your hope is grounded on something that will fail you. Not might fail you. It will fail you. And so for some of us, it's a return to our hope. God, forgive me for trying to find my hope here. Help me to find my hope in you. And lastly, for some of us, the reason might be because we're not walking by faith and obedience. Maybe your hope is in Christ, and He has called you to do something, to move to this place, to share the gospel with this person, to begin doing this thing, and you're just afraid to obey. And your hope is beginning to wane because you're not walking by faith. You're not walking by obedience in the promises of God. It's time to repent and time to obey, to step out in obedience. By God's grace, we have a hope that is alive. I pray that that hope would be growing in you as you anchor your life in Him. God bless you. Let me pray for us. Father God, I just pray for those who are listening to this, watching this now, that they would be made aware and experience the living hope that is found for us in God. That they would be reminded for the reasons why they have hope, but that the hope would be working in them through the power of the Holy Spirit for your glory. 
and just pray for anyone who has never experienced that hope that today would be the day of salvation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.